As far as when someone should get started on Pinterest, I think it depends, but in general, I would honestly just say right away. I, you know, that's my biggest regret is that I didn't start really utilizing Pinterest and nailing down a good Pinterest strategy sooner. I really think that I could have grown my personal blog a lot quicker and a lot more successfully if I had been able to do that. Welcome to the She Shines podcast with your hosts, brand photographer and serial entrepreneur, Anna Laura, and super proud career woman with a passion for entrepreneurship, Alex. Tune in for some connection, community, and girl talk. Plus, join their conversations with other entrepreneurs and professionals who've been there, built that, and are paying it forward. They'll take your burning questions and turn them into actionable steps with a glass of champagne in hand. Here we go. We are so excited to chat with Allison in this episode, not only about how she built connection with her community and and her journey of living with Crohn's disease, but also about being a successful blogger and content creator. And she actually found that Pinterest is such a great place for her to reach the inspiration-seeking women that is within her target market that she wants to speak to every day. And spoiler alert, it does not require a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and thousands of likes to grow your brand on Pinterest. So we're going to dive into that and way more in this episode, but be sure to check out her She Shines Academy course, Pinterest as a traffic driver for your brand, because Allison is sharing why Pinterest is the next platform you should totally utilize to grow your brand. You'll receive valuable tips on how to create and optimize your content for Pinterest and the resources that will allow you to scale your brand on this platform. So join Allison as she helps you master the exact steps that she used to diversify her platforms and drive traffic to her website with over 1.6 million monthly views on Pinterest. So you're not going to want to miss her freebie that she's giving us three tips to grow your band on Pinterest. So we're excited. There's so much packed in this episode. I can't wait to dive in. Let's do it. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the She Shines podcast. We are so excited to chat today with Allison, aka the Savvy Camel. Allison, go well, we all go way back to Philly. <laughs> now we're in three different states. <laughs> Allison's hanging in Florida. I'm over here in Texas. Alex is in Philly. So we're excited today to actually finally all connect and sit down <laughs> and chat about all the things. <laughs> we yes. have so much coming at you. But first and foremost, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, yes. We can't wait to dive in. So I think, you know what, let's just start off the bat. Tell us about yourself. Who is Allison? Really quick, just so, you know, the listeners can get to know you a bit more. Yes, um, I'm Allison. I am the blogger behind the Savvy Camel. Um, I've kind of sort of let that direct me into freelancing lately, which I've really been enjoying. I just moved to Florida about six months ago, sort of like you mentioned, we're all in different places now, but Philly is where I got connected with you guys and where my blog was born. So I've definitely have a lot of of love for Philly and sort of everything that it taught me and brought me. So that's sort of where I'm at right now. Awesome. I love it. So what are you doing down there in Florida? (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to keep on track with everything. So I'm still working on my blog because it's kind of been the avenue for a lot of different opportunities for me. So I started out sort of doing fashion blogging, but that I think now I would call it more lifestyle because I dabble in fashion and home decor. I do a little bit of recipe and talking about health and mental health and things like that. 
but I'm really trying to focus on growing my freelance content creation business. So I've been doing product imagery um, and lifestyle shots for brands to be able to use exclusively on their social media and on their websites. Yes, as a fellow photographer, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, you're so talented. Like you always have been. Oh, thank you. You are too. So Allison, doing so many amazing things. Tell us how you actually got into blogging and freelancing. Yeah, so I started blogging. I feel like kind of the same way a lot of people started. I just wanted a way to fuel my passions and creative desires that I felt like weren't really being met in my day job. But I did start my blog with the hope of being able to turn it into something that was sustainable and a money-making business. And it's taken some twists and turns along the way for sure, but it's definitely ended up being that. At one point, I ran social media for a local clothing store, uh, and I really enjoyed that because it taught me sort of to look at things with more of a business mind and kind of remove myself from the equation rather than just like posting what I want to post. Um, so that was a really, really great learning experience. And the only reason I left is because we ended up moving to Florida, and that would be a really long commute. <laughs> and then I, even throughout that, I continued to blog because it was sort of the thing that opened up the, you know, opened up that door for me. Um, which is sort of what led me to freelancing because at the time my husband was working for marketing with a pretty big company and some of his colleagues followed my blog and asked him if um, he thought that I would be interested in shooting a campaign for Tylenol. Um, and he came home and asked me that and I was like, heck yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll give it a go <laughs> and see how things turn out. And like 10 minutes in, I ended up realizing I loved it because it was sort of bringing all of my strongest skill sets to the table and also being able to do the things that I enjoyed the most. And I know that every job has things that you don't like about it, but when you are able to sort of tune into those things that you enjoy the most, it definitely helps you thrive more. So ever since then, it's just kind of been slowly moving more that direction and I've been loving it. What I've enjoyed so much about, you know, getting to know you both as, you know, a real life human, but also online, um, is really seeing kind of the evolution that that you went through. Because yes. I know we can all relate to that. Lord knows, like my Instagram has had its fair share of facelifts throughout the year <laughs> or years. So it's always really cool to kind of see that evolution take place and really see people step into their natural gifts and strengths. And it seems like what you've been doing. Yeah. But you're also, there's a, a bigger message there that you've been sharing a little more lately. Do you mind getting into kind of like the personal side of things and what you've been doing and like how you've been using Instagram to share your personal story? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have Crohn's. I've been living with it for going on 13 years now. It's been a while. Part of the reason that I started my blog was to, I mentioned being able to sort of turn it into something sustainable. And I had hoped at one point that I would be able to end up working for myself and being able to work from home because I, before that I had worked in retail my whole life. Um, and that's a really physically challenging job. And it put a lot of, um, lot of challenges on my health and I had a lot of struggles with it. And since the day that I left uh, my day job and have been working from home for myself, my health has literally never been better. Um, and that's really given me a lot of courage to sort of be able to talk about my experience with Crohn's and sort of uh, bring awareness to it and just sort of tell people what life is like with that. But more so in a way just to let people know that like we all have our struggles and I know Instagram and social media in general can just be really misleading and you know people say it's a highlight reel and I think that's true. So I think you know when people have things that they can bring to the table and show that real life is not always picture perfect even if it looks like it, it's a really great way to build connection and sort of create those relationships with your audience. 
So between using Instagram as a space for you to get out this creativity and and explore your passions with blogging and and your job as a freelancer and sharing your personal experience with Crohn's disease, how are you balancing it all? Yeah, that has definitely been a challenge. And I'm honestly still trying to figure that out. (laughs) Um, As far as I think I kind of marry blogging and Instagram for me, they're kind of one and the same, um, because a lot of my Instagram is to hopefully direct people towards my blog. Um, But in terms of figuring out how to sort of marry my blog and my freelance work as one brand, so to speak, I'm still trying to figure it out. um, Because a lot of my actually, right now, all of my freelance clients have been brands that I've worked with in the past on a blogger collaboration basis. Um, So just trying to figure out how sort of to divide those relationships into those two different professional realms. Um, And I need to keep my blog going because like I said, it's been the space that has opened up these doors for me, but it's also important to be able to express myself because that's why I started my whole, my blog. And that's exactly what you guys were saying. That's what Instagram is a space for. Um, so I'm still exploring the, you know, how to balance that in terms of creating one brand between the two things. But as far as the workload, um, I'm definitely prioritizing freelance because that's, you know, my biggest source of income right now. So that's pretty important. Um, and my blog has definitely taken a back seat in the, this, this year so far. Um, and I've been okay with that though, because I'm still active in creating content and engaging with my audience. It's just on a smaller and less frequent scale. So it's just sort of shifting the bandwidth from one area to another, as far as balancing the workload between the two things. I'm so glad you said that, you know, we, we try to get caught up if we do have multiple jobs or multiple passions that we're, you know, kind of working through that it, it can be easy to want to dedicate equal time, equal effort, equal energy to all the things. And for so many of us, that's just not the case every single day. Like you just, we talk about this all the time. It's not a matter of balancing everything. It's just shifting your your priorities and your focus um, throughout the day or week or year, whatever it is. Absolutely. So I'm really glad that you touched on that. So, you know, through this evolution of, you know, your blog leading, leading now into freelance work, what is your advice to women looking to get into freelancing? Like what are the top skills you recommend that they have or that they learn? Yeah, uh, my only experience with freelancing has been through the blogging world, but I imagine that would be same, just the same outside of the blogging world. Um, I would say, you know, start by putting together a media kit and a portfolio. And as far as the media kit goes, you would want to put in all of the brands that you've worked with, be it paid or unpaid collaborations, so that people can see that you're capable of building these types of professional relationships. Um, and for a portfolio, you would want to be able to put in any of your own personal work. It doesn't just have to be um, collaborative work that you've done in the past. I think it's important to, especially if you have different styles um, and aesthetics of work, to be able to showcase that you can sort of do different things and you don't just have one lane that you're in. That way people that you're you know, pitching yourself to, um, clients and brands, can see that you can sort of make their vision work for them regardless of what it is that they're wanting. Um, and from there, I would just say start pitching yourself to people. I, um, I think it's important to start small scale. I realized that my first freelance client was technically Tylenol, but I was lucky to have a connection there and it truly just fell in my lap. But after that, it's been, it's been all small scale for me because you know we all just have to start growing our business from somewhere. Um, and starting small is a really great place and it gives you a chance to sort of learn how to maneuver relationships and grow your skill set. As far as top skills would go, I would say obviously you want to feel comfortable in 
uh, confident in your craft. I know that sounds kind of obvious and cheesy, but I feel like when you're trying to do too many things, you're not as confident in one area, and that makes it difficult for you to be able to really produce one good quality product. Like for me, I want to be able to start working on videography, but it's not in my realm of skills right now. So I'm really trying to hone in on photography and showing people that I can produce great imagery and great uh photographic content for them and then hopefully at some point later on expand into videography but I really want to be able to build up that one niche portfolio first and sort of have something to fall back on and then kind of on the same token being able to learn quickly I think is a really important skill because you might not always have the equipment or the resources but if a brand or a client comes to you midway through a project or contract and is like hey, can we do this or try to add this thing on? You don't necessarily want to have to say no right away just because you don't know how to do something. You you know, you might want to take a step back and try to research and think like, is this something that I can learn how to do and produce something quality for them? And that way, hopefully, if you can, you can turn around and say yes and sort of add on to your skill set and add on to what you're doing for uh, that client or brand. And then patience, I think, is the mm -hmm. last one. Um, they're going to be like a lot of rounds of edits. They're going to come back and they're going to say, hey, can we change this, tweak that, do this different? I think it's really important to just be able to be patient with that process um, and also realize it's not personal. Um, it's, you know, they're, you're offering them a service and they want to get exactly what it is that they need and they want to get their money's worth and that's totally fair. And I think it's also, you know, a good way to look at it is to realize that it's going to help you sort of be able to perfect your skills and know, sort of refine what you're looking for and doing differently going forward. Yeah, you touched on so many great things. Obviously, patience and all that you do is so important. Um, I love how you mentioned too, like being able to adapt quickly, like learning quickly on the fly, especially if you're going to be working with a company that's, hey, can you make this change, you know, right away? And you don't want to say no. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be able to at least learn how to do that fast and and. And that ties right into what you said before, knowing that you're confident that it's within your skill set that you can do that. And I think what one of my favorite things that you said of, of the skills that you recommend women have is, is before diving into something new is first building up your confidence in that current skill set in what you're doing. Because I think a lot of times people get scared about trying something new or adding something to their portfolio or their resume of skills. And it's not that you can't do it. It's just that you really need to do it in a progression, right? Like Absolutely. you said, it is before getting into videography, making sure, hey, I have skills in this first and I'm confident in doing this before I move on to the next one. So I, I just really love that you touch on that because I think it's something that can hold a lot of us back is is not knowing, but it, it's okay. It's, you know, gaining that confidence in what you have now and, and what you're doing before moving on to the next thing. Yeah. I love it. So shifting gears just a little bit, um, in the She Shines Academy, you teach a course on Pinterest, which I know Alex and I, we actually really enjoy going through this and learning a lot. I actually just got on Tailwind today. Oh, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. I used it in the past for my personal, but now we're starting to use it for She Shines. And when I say starting to, I mean, literally we have like four pens, I think on our Pinterest right now. So <laughs> So, you know, learning new skills, we wanted to, to master a couple of other platforms first, but now after viewing your course and gleaning your insight, we're like, okay, Pinterest is where it's at. We need to get on the ball. So can you cover a little bit about, you know, what, what you go over in this course and then kind of when do you recommend like the progression in when a business owner or a blogger or freelancer should add Pinterest to their platform? 
Okay, so the course is basically just about sort of talking about why Pinterest is so valuable. I feel like it's really underrated and overlooked, and I kind of wanted to tell people why it can be so beneficial in their businesses and being able to drive traffic to their websites and other platforms. And I kind of go through the basic steps of how to really get started on Pinterest and how to make Pinterest work for you and really get the most out of it. Um, as far as when someone should get started on Pinterest, I think it depends, but in general, I would honestly just say right away, um, especially if you have a website that you're wanting to drive traffic to. Um, I, you know, that's my biggest regret is that I didn't start uh, really utilizing Pinterest and nailing down a good Pinterest strategy sooner. I really think that I could have grown my personal blog a lot quicker and a lot more successfully if I had been able to do that. But you guys also had the great point, and it's kind of like we were talking about earlier, is really you want to sort of nail down and understand how to really use one platform at a time because you don't want to just be dabbling here and there and not really perfecting anything. So I think in that regard, it just kind of, you have to look and decide what type of influencer or business or entrepreneur you are. And if you're the type of person that doesn't have a website and that's not your top priority, then I think Pinterest is something that you could wait a little while on. But it is still something that anyone would want to dive into later down the road because it's still worthwhile to be able to drive traffic back to your other social platforms. Yes, love all of those tips. I mean, and I feel like we might be repeating ourselves a little bit, but it's just so important mm -hmm. to nail down <laughs> one platform before moving to the other. Personally, for She Shines, we had just started using LinkedIn and Twitter, and we were really trying to get a hold on those. And we had, when I tell you, Allison, like we had Pinterest on our like mm -hmm. list of things to do. I think like almost when we just started, we're like, oh my gosh, we need a Pinterest account. But it was important for us too to realize hold up slow your roll like you don't know anything about Pinterest so <laughs> you yeah. probably should not start using it so yeah that that's just great <laughs> advice can you give us the main difference kind of between the content that someone would be posting on Pinterest versus what they would be sharing on Instagram yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite thing about Pinterest is sort of the type of content you can share. Pinterest is designed more as a search engine where Instagram people are just going on to sort of scroll through and connect with people. But when you're on Pinterest, oftentimes you're searching for something specific. So when you're sharing content on Pinterest, it's really important to share it in a way that's really clear, like this is what I'm sharing. This is where you can go to learn more about it. And just being able to provide like clear education or inspiration um, it's not as much for entertainment. I would think sort of Instagram is where you would go more for entertainment. So in Pinterest is just much more strategic in the types of things that you're posting, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that you said that, that it's more of the, the search engine and not as like social where, you know, you can see what your friends or family yeah. members are posting. You know, if you want right. to use it strategically, it's really to, to drive traffic like you have um, successfully driven traffic back to your site. You know, I know there's a kind of some numbers that we go into more in the course in terms of how much of your own content you should be sharing versus other people's, but would you mind sharing that here for, for our listeners as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think in general, the rule is kind of 80-20, so you'll want to share about 80% of other people's content and 20% of your own. Um, when you're sharing too much of your own content, it can be a little bit spammy, so to speak, and People also, you know, part of the reason they go on Pinterest is to be able to see a good variety of 
a specific type of content. So on Instagram, you can obviously only post your own content and people know what they're gonna get from you. But when they go to Pinterest, they're looking for information and inspiration. So they wanna be able to see a variety. And even when you're posting other people's content, it's not that it's doing you a disservice because it's showing your audience that you know what they're looking for and you can find that from other people and still give it to them. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, that was great. So in in, ki- <laughs> in navigating your way through Pinterest and using it so successfully to to build your own brand and drive people back to your your blog and website, are there any like major do's and don'ts of Pinterest that you have learned going along the way? Yes, for sure. Um, As far as the do's go, first is uh, like pretty much any social media platform is be consistent. You want to make sure that you pin on a daily basis and that you're present. And another good, a good way to do that and another do in general is to create evergreen content. So you'll want to create content that can circulate um, throughout their algorithm and platform throughout the entire year and it's that it's not super seasonal. Um, And another thing that's really important that I have been working on improving sort of my diligence in doing is updating your pins. So if you update a blog post or even just as you're learning more about what um, gives your pins a lot of throttle and what creates successful pins for you, just going back in and updating them with different terminology and different wording in order to sort of be able to boost that back up into their um, search engine and hopefully get it circulating a little more often. Um, As far as the don'ts, don't, the biggest don't is don't pin without a title or description. Pinterest does have um, a visual search engine. I don't know exactly how the technology works, but they also have a place for a title and a description. Um, And I actually think they require you to put in the title and description now, but even if you just go put one word in for those things, it's still going to be much more difficult or unlikely for your content to show up in the search engine because there's just so much... Uh, less information behind it pushing it through. Um, So just making sure that you're utilizing all of the space that they give you to put in keywords, Um, but at the same time, not over-optimizing it. That's a really important one. Like just listing out a bunch of keywords can be really spammy um, the same way as it would be in a blog post or a website article. Um, So every now and then I'll go through and just list out keywords if it's a really niche topic that only has three or four niche words or keywords. But if it's something where you have 12, 15 keywords or phrases, it's better to go put them in description form and actually form real complete sentences so that it just comes off as a more genuine uh, genuine information and not just like a slew of words, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can you give us like a quick example, like maybe two keywords and like that niche word that you're talking about just for some of our listeners out there who are maybe like, just jumping on the Pinterest bandwagon and they're like, ah, what is a keyword? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when you think about keywords, I the way I like to sort of the way I started thinking about it is to think about it as like a searchable term. So if you're going on Pinterest and you're searching for something, think about literally exactly how you would type it into the search bar. That's honestly how I come up with almost everything that I put into my pin descriptions. So like if you're a fitness influencer or coach or what have you, um, a really good idea would be to create a pin, something along the lines of uh, five easy ways to stick to your workout routine. And that could be your title for the pin. And then in the description you would say, Um, schedule your workouts in order to stay motivated to work out because then you're putting in a few more keywords or searchable terms. So you would be saying, 
uh, motivated to work out, stick to your workout routine and schedule your workouts. So those are all different ways that people could search something, but it would still pull up the same content. My mind is blown right so now. So good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and edit those four pins that we did today. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's, it's funny because as I was going through sort of preparing to talk to you guys today, and I was thinking about the Pinterest course that I did with you, and just sort of even what I've learned about Pinterest since creating the course for you guys, I'm like, there's just so much more I could add to it now. And just thinking like of all the new sort of deep levels we could get into with it. So I love Pinterest. I'm such a Pinterest nerd. <laughs> Well, we're so happy that you are, honestly, because again, for people like us who are just starting out, we're like, I don't even know where to begin, but your course provides a really great jumping off point. So, you know, maybe in the future we can have you back for Pinterest 2.0 and go into more like deep level Pinterest things. Yes, I would love that. I would love that for sure. Amazing. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. Really quick, before we get into our rapid fire round, where can our audience connect with you, find you, IG stalk you, all the things? Yes. So I am on Instagram at the Savvy Camel. It's the S-A-V-V-Y camel, like the animal. And then on Pinterest, it's pinterest.com slash Savvy Camel. No V on Pinterest. So that's where you guys can find me. Amazing. Okay, so we're going to set up the rapid fire round. Now, what? Do, first of all, what is your favorite coffee drink? Or you Ooh. don't drink coffee. I do. I actually drink coffee. I drink decaf. I haven't had anything fully caffeinated in almost seven years, but I still drink decaf. I had a cup of decaf coffee every morning and people think it's so weird, but I just love coffee. So. <laughs> uh, my favorite coffee, though, I love a good white mocha from Starbucks. That's my favorite. Iced. Oh, that is like, you know, your order like that was, yeah. oh, yeah, you you're standing at line and rattled it right off. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's super. I do. I do decaf, nonfat, all the things. <laughs> I, I am obsessed with that. OK, so before you go up to the counter, you're standing in line to order the Allison special as it will henceforth be known. <laughs> yes. So you're standing in line to order the Allison special and a girl comes up behind you and she's like, oh, my God, it's Allison from the Savvy Camel. I, I have to ask her questions, but she only has about 30 seconds before she has to place her order, her super intricate order. <laughs> her first question, what is your favorite way to connect with new, with new people? Um, I would say Instagram as far as digitally. I, you know, all that talk about Pinterest, but I do love Instagram. It's such a fun way to be able to see people's personalities and sort of strike up conversation without feeling weird and creepy, I guess. Um, And especially, you guys could probably relate, but especially for being a transplant and not knowing people, it's just a really great way to be able to meet people from all over and connect. Yes, yes. You know, we're here for a good IG. Um, I was going to say IG hookup. That's not at all what I meant, actually. No, I don't think I don't think that's what you meant. <laughs> no, no. Slide in the DMs. <laughs> okay. And moving on. Number two, she wants to know, how can I create community in my life or business? Yeah, so that's a good one. That's a tough one because I, you know, I am in a place where I don't know anyone. So I'm really introverted and I have a hard time putting myself out there, but I know what I need to do. So things like volunteering or going to cooking classes or workout classes are a really great way, great way to connect with people. And then as far as like business wise, you guys do a really good job of putting on awesome networking events. And I'm so sad I didn't get to go to one before I moved away, but that's an awesome way to connect with like-minded individuals and see how you can support each other. 
Um, but connection doesn't always have to be like local and physical. So you can always connect virtually on Instagram and just shoot someone a message and say, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm excited to follow along and see where it goes. I love that. Okay. And her last <laughs> question. Now you're up to the counter and she's like, wait, 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 one more. How do I, how do you get your fill of girl talk? Ah, oh, that's a tough one. I can count on half of one hand how many of my friends are in driving distance from me. So all of my girl talk is virtual. Um, I am not, I'm introverted, so I'm not good at texting back. So I like to shoot my friends a message and say, hey, we need to schedule a phone date or a Skype call or FaceTime. And we'll just pick a date on the calendar and we'll just sit and chat for a while. And it's less frequent girl talk. But for me personally, it's definitely more quality. So that's how I get my girl talk. What about you guys, though? Because I know that you now have a long distance friendship, too. So how do you like to get your girl talk? Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much we talk to each other all day, every day via text. Yeah. <laughs> I always say, like, she's the only person that has permission to, te to text me before 7 a.m. <laughs> is Hannah Laura. <laughs> Um, but thank goodness for Zoom and FaceTime um, and prior to quarantine days, I know I was still mm. in Anna Laura. We're trying to do our own networking events and go to other networking events and meet women. So that was our way of connection and girl talk. But it, it mm -hmm. is definitely, I think, shifted to more virtual, which has been exciting too, just to, you know, you're kind of forced <laughs> to, to talk to yeah. people now online if maybe that wasn't your primary method before. Yeah, I really love that you brought up like being introverted and like, okay, <laughs> Alex is one of maybe three people in the world that I'm consistent about texting back. And even then sometime, some days I'm like not super great. So I'm really grateful that you said that. And it was just kind of freeing oh, yeah. for me to hear because <laughs> I will, I am kind of the worst and it doesn't mean I don't love you any less, but it is, it, it, it's a challenge someday. So thank you so much for, <laughs> for saying that. No, I'm the same way. I'm glad that you agree because I feel like so many people that I, they just like, I don't understand why you can't just text back. I'm like, I don't understand either, but it's just not in my willpower. I don't know how to do it. It takes so much energy. <laughs> oh, introvert I'm so problems. like you. I would, I would much rather like get on like zoom or facetime or something like schedule a date and like let's oh, just yes. chat you know one-on-one oh, yeah. On one. yeah well allison again thank you so much for taking the yeah, time to chat sure. with us today we so appreciate you um sharing all your insight on freelancing blogging and especially pinterest um y'all she has an amazing course over in the she shines academy that we'll be sure to link in the show notes and she has gifted us with a special freebie for this episode. So be sure to head over to the blog post to, uh, to download that, to view that, because guys, she is really like a, a Pinterest a, genie. Yes. <laughs> she is just a Pinterest pinning genie. Like, I love it. I was going to say something like a wizard or something. Yes. Genie. Love it. So Allison, again, thank you so much. I love it. I'm so flattered. Thank you guys so much. This was a blast. I loved it. Yes. Well, guys, we will see you next episode of the She Shines Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the show notes and download the freebie. In the meantime, keep shining. Thank you so much for joining us on the She Shines Podcast. Before you go, be sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. Plus, we would love to hear what you enjoyed most. So share a takeaway and be sure to tag us at SheXShines. And lastly, please take a sec to leave a thoughtful review or pass this episode on to someone you feel could use it. Until next time, keep shining. Cheers, girlfriend.